This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Mark Stiles, your host. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of Leadership in Action. I am here today with an entrepreneur, a visionary. He's been working in the landscape and snow and ice management field for over 20 years. He's a leader who enjoys building relationships and opportunities with his employees, clients, peers, and vendors. He's also a longtime member of EO Boston and a past president. Founder, chief visionary of JC Grounds Management and Rockstar Award recipient from EO Boston, Jonathan Crandall. What's up, John? How are you? I'm, I mean, after that, you know, introduction, I feel amazing. So, you know, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Let's get right into it. The question number one, what is a common misconception about leadership, running a business and or being an entrepreneur? Oh, common misconception. Um, got a funny story about this. A close friend of mine, uh, I, I've been an entrepreneur for a, for a while and he was jumping into a new business and he, he shares this story better. Um, but he, he basically said that the day he got his town business license, he went out and bought a set of golf clubs and, and uh, you know, little did he, I guess, know at the time that it wasn't about, you know, you don't start a business and go golf and it takes take some time to uh, get some recreation time into the schedule, I guess. <laughs> so, so, so what's, what's the answer to that through that story? Uh, the answer to that is, is your, you know, people think that, or the misconception, I guess, is that you're your own boss. And the reality is that you actually just obtain more and more bosses. You're, you know, your customers, are your boss, your, sometimes your employees are, you know, they're, they're in control of you in, in, uh, in some aspects, especially early on. So you're, you don't necessarily go into starting your own business and just all of a sudden have a wide open schedule, you know? Interesting. So, so that American dream, buy the new home, start your own business, go in there and boom, you're in this social class. You're in this other place where you're actually not. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I, I do believe in that dream. I think like the opportunities in the, in the U S are just like amazing. And, and so many people that, you know, come into this country comparatively to where they came from, at least from what I hear, you know, it's, a, there's so many awesome opportunities here, but it's not, it's not instant, you know, it, it's not without effort, without a lot of work um, to be able to really, and intention, I think is an important word to, um to really have a good grasp on, on time management. You know, when you, when you go in, at least when I started bootstrapped, it was like whatever would give me a dollar to, um, you know, to help pay for, pay for everything, payroll growth and everything else, my own, my own bills. Like I would just do whatever I had to do to, um, to, to make ends meet. And I think a lot of people have this assumption going into it early on anyways, that, you know, it's going to be, it's actually Michael Gerber writes in the email, the entrepreneurial myth that they're going to come in and just all of a sudden it's, they're going to have, you know, this great freedom of their schedule and, and, uh, and the money's going to, you know, just come easily. And that's, that's not the case, at least in my experience. You know, you, you mentioned Michael Gerber and the E-Myth. That was one of the very first business books that I consumed. And it, it was actually very moving 
for me. Um, but let's talk about your friend. He, he goes in, I'm assuming he gets his DBA, right? So he's a sole practitioner. He's running a business. I have this certificate. I am somebody I'm going to go celebrate because I'm going to have all this freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he, um, he just realized, you know, really quick that he, he had to, uh, he had to get to work, you know, um, you're, you're going in, there's, you look around you look left and right and you realize, Hey, wait, it's just me. Uh, so I've, I've got to, um, I've got to get to work, actually start producing, you know, if it's a service business, uh, you've got to start producing the service, um, and probably start producing it on your own if you're really bootstrapped. Otherwise, you know, you hire a few employees to help with that or subcontractors. And, um, and even in that there's, there's so much time just to, to manage those people and, and manage them efficiently, you know? It's, it's, it's really interesting um, conversation because I have some shared experiences of how I, you know, started my business. But, you know, you think about it and, you know, so many people are saying, you know, I'm not going to work for somebody, you know, I'm going to go do it on my own. And they think they're, they're skipping this, this imaginary line, like they're jumping to the front of the line, but they're really buying a job, right? They're, they're investing into another job to get started. And you, you know, you mentioned so eloquently, right. It's not one boss. It's like every other person is your boss. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, you definitely need that. You, you need to have that self-motivation. You need to be able to um, persevere, be persistent and, um, and be self-motivated because otherwise it's not like there's somebody there that's going to be telling you to do something. Right. So you need to get out there and do it, get it done. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a huge, just a, a huge part is the realization that, Hey, we've got to, um, we've got to make payroll. We've got to find the jobs. We've got to perform the jobs. A lot of people, um, to your point, you know, you're creating, you're creating a, a job for yourself. If, um, if you don't really grow up beyond that and there's nothing, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, you know, I, I've said to people in the past, like, I actually think, uh, I, again, this is my opinion and experience, but I think that, you know, if you go into business and you have, whether you have another full-time job and you're doing a business on the side where you're literally performing most of the functions, you can be very profitable in that. Um, and, or you, you get into the business and you really create a business, you know, where you have over a period of time, you start filling functions, have leadership team members, have managers, et cetera, et cetera. And you're actually building in, you know, what I consider a real business. Um, being hung up somewhere in the middle, I've just found people get, again, my experience, uh, people get in trouble there where they're, um, they're too, they're, you know, they're almost too small, but they're having a challenge to pay for um, that team. Uh, in, in a, for, at least from my opinion, you've got to kind of grow out of that phase and grow into a larger company where that team starts to really, you know, your team doesn't, your upper management doesn't expand too much um, in proportion with revenue. So you, you can really start reaping some benefits, but that's, that's, you know, at least what I've shared with people is, you know, go big or, or stay small, but stuck in the middle is tough. In my, in my opinion. That's really, really interesting. And it's, and it's, you know, it's a choice, right? But sometimes in that middle, it's not a choice, right? In the beginning, it's a choice. It's a business. I'm proud of it. I've got the name on the door. I'm somebody. And then you're building something great and people are really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, 
you start to feel that wheel. And it's like, which way do we go here? Do we contract down and work more? Or do we figure out some sort of strategy around growth and getting a little bit bigger and more efficient? And and Gerber talks about that a lot with the three the three personality types, right? Minder, grinder, finder, right? I uh, That was instilled in my head because as I sat there in the beginning, I was all three. Yep. Yeah. You look around and there's no one else to share that with. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the books that I know a lot of EORs have read, you know, Greg Crabtree has one simple, you know, simple numbers. Um, and then there's, uh, I think it's Les McCowan, who has... Um, predictable success but a lot of those guys they, they talk about a similar concept of you know that kind of i don't know if they call it purgatory or whatever but that period where you're going from a small business to a bigger business and how challenging it is and a lot of people will retreat because they'll start trying to to push things along to grow into a bigger business and um and they get pushed down so many times they're like just you know it really is true because people say you know, I've, I heard the cliche of like, what do you, you know, why would you get any bigger? You're just causing yourself more headaches. And that, you know, that's not real. In, in my opinion, if you, sure, if you don't, you know, create systems, processes, hire good people, have good core values, all those kind of things, um, that can become true. Uh, and I think it's more true when you're micromanaging everything and you probably are if you don't have those processes in place. But as the business grows and matures and you get some really talented people, and you start really refining your process, it can actually get easier. Um, I still believe zero to a million was probably the hardest time in my life, my business life and personal life. And um, and even zero to, to three, zero to five was, was pretty challenging. But um, as we became more mature, we had more people to delegate tasks off to and people to take ownership to their you know functions. Things, um, in, at least in my opinion, became different for sure, but uh, a little easier because we had more people to delegate to. Well, tell us about your company. What What is the service you provide? Uh, I mean, our primary service is snow removal. So we do a, a lot of a lot of snow removal, de-icing and whatnot for all commercial clients uh, throughout Massachusetts, a little into southern New Hampshire. And um, and we, we do some landscape management. Um, and then there's some other subsidiaries just because of the operating business. So there's some real estate involved. There's um, there's some leasing involved because of all the equipment we, we own. But uh, the main core business that creates the majority of the revenue and profitability is is a, is a snow, snow and ice business that we run. And um, and that's run now, you know, through time and through um, design. You know, I, I really want to, to build the business bigger and, and have branch locations and, um, and learn to do that through through um, a few things, but one of the things was the Entrepreneur's Masses program through EO uh, that that kind of opened my eyes that it was a possibility. Uh, but that's that's who we are today, and we're, we're continuing to scale that branch model. So that's EMP? Is that what you're referring to? EMP, yeah. So you yeah, it's had several names over the years, Birth of the Giants, Gathering the Titans, and now it's EMP. But um, it's by far, you know, out of all, I've done a lot with EO over the years, traveled all over the world with EO, and I've uh, done many of their executive programs and EMP is still my favorite program I've ever done. It was the most impactful for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what did it do for your business? So when you walked in that room, your business was where, 
you walked out of that room, where did you go? Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, there was an immediate result in revenue off the bat, but um, I can't remember where we were. We're probably around like, probably around 3 million, two to 3 million in revenue at the time. Um, but this, here's what's funny is the first year was just amazing because there were people from all over the world that were in that room and just being exposed to people that had anywhere from a million dollar in revenue business to like hundreds of millions in, from all over the world and hearing the different stories was really cool. And then hearing from all the different, they brought in a lot of founders, a lot of people that had produced some major companies. Like I remember the the uh, CEO of iRobot, who was local to Boston, came in. Um, we had several others. And just hearing the stories of, you know, they had started their companies from almost nothing and grew them into successful enterprises. And there were some people in the room that were in, you know, the same boat as some of those uh, folks that were speaking. But um, that was cool. Year two was more about scaling. And I actually had, I think, the second anxiety attack in my entire life. And it was because I wasn't sure if my business was a business that could scale. Um, in year three, I ended up, you know, obviously working three uh, was just kind of a finalization, like a wrap up of all the tools and, and stories and everything else. And um, and I, I started to really put a plan together after year three. And, um, and we've been you know, evolving that plan ever since. So, um, it's been tell, me about, t- tell me about that conversation you were having with yourself in year two, right? Like this, it's never been done. Why, well, who am I? Like, how can I scale this? Like, what, what was that conversation like? So my, so our, the snow side of the business is very, it's emergency service and, um, and seasonal it's seasonal. And I just wasn't sure that the amount of, you know, our, our clientele is high touch too. Like we deal with a lot of hospitals, a lot of large logistics centers and to the degree of how, how um, specific we are of our results at the end of a snowstorm, we want to make sure that the client is you know hundred percent happy that they're um, they're going to be able to go through this site safely and be able to produce, you know, their business or be able to produce results in their business due to us being successful clearing a lot. So like, if you think of like a, like a large retail establishment, you know, we take care of a lot of those as well. The amount of people that go in and out of those every day, it's, um, it's, you know, tens of millions or more in revenue that can come off of one site if they're shut down for the day. So it's a huge risk there. The other side is we take care of a lot of hospitals that have, you know, emergency rooms. And if one, if one of those ambulances can't make it up the hill to the ER, somebody could die. So this massive, massive risk, and if we don't produce at a real high level. So my concern was how can I get people one to take it as seriously and two uh, to have the systems processes. So it didn't need to be micromanaged. And I just wasn't sure if that was, if that was, um, you know, if, if that was a real thing that it could be done. And what I did is I, I started to pursue masters of my industry across the country. And um, I started visiting them, just literally picking the phone up, calling them, seeing if they would see, you know, see me and if I could come into their business. And um very, very fortunate to um, have made a lot of friends doing that over the years. Well, as they say, right, all boats rise with the tide, right? That probably made them feel really good to help, you know, you as a fellow business owner and also to be seen as a leader in their industry, right? People innately, I feel, want to mentor if they have the right, the right situation to do it. 
So you've been with EO for for 16 years, 15 years? How long have you been with EO? Yeah, I don't even have it's right in that range. I don't even know the exact day it started. Um, but it's been at least 15 plus years because I when I was in my mid mid to early 20s, yeah, early 20s, um I I was uh fortunate to be an accelerator, you know, when it first started, the first year it was started. And prior to that, I had a close friend in the in my hometown who was in EO that would take me as a guest even before I was an accelerator to a lot of events. So I was real lucky. That is lucky because it's it, that's it, you know it's the stroke of luck, I guess, to find luck. But it's the stroke of luck that someone introduced you to it, right? I mean, someone gave you the book, or you chose to buy the book, the E Myth, got your mind circling and. And then to be part of this community where people are like-minded, right? So, of course, why yeah. can't you scale that, John? What do you mean? You can't, what do you mean you can't scale it? What do you, let's, let's look at the numbers. Let's look at these leases. Let's look at this, that, and the other thing. Let's look at the contributors. Who's going to participate? What's your right. NOI? Let's look at this, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, maybe I can do this. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, you know, thank you. Know, think- it's just been it's been an awesome journey since and and now we look at is you know we were able to figure out uh dan Sullivan talks about this too in strategic coach but he'll say you know do your do your best at you know do um what's your unique ability all that you know and one of the tools that i love that he has is real is probably the simplest tool and it seems like such common sense but it, it took you know it took sign up to dan Sullivan to uh strategic coach to learn it it was a called the large, he calls it the largest check. And basically what he says is, and I'll simplify this. It won't be as clean, but he says, look at, you know, what's the, what's the largest check you have today? Meaning like what customer pays you the most for the whole season or whatever. Um, which customers do you like to work with and which profit centers are generating the, the highest amount of profitability? And, we looked at that. And then he says, what's your next, what's your, after you figure that out, what's your dream check, right? So what do you think, whether it's five years, 10 years out, what would the next largest check look like? What's it look like next year? And then what's your lowest check? You know, so it's kind of that 28 year old, like, take, you know, so we, we do that exercise every year still, and we're still surprised. We usually look at the, the largest five and we're still surprised sometimes at who they end up being. And we'll ask the operational team, you know, who do they love to work with? What do they, what do we know we're really good at? And um, what's our what's that look like five years out? You know, and um, and that's pretty been pretty eye opening. And it's kind of neat to look back at those notes and see where you came, you know, where you came from. Oh, it's always great. And and journaling those things and that journey is is so important. So you're looking at doubling down on that top twenty, and then looking at that bottom twenty and saying. Are we spending too much money with these people? Do we want to cut them loose? Is that kind of the conversation there? Absolutely. Um, you know, what's your, because you're not doing yourself or them service. If if they're your lower 20, you're probably not giving them what they need. Um, and they're not really giving you what you need. So, so yeah, we'll cut them loose and they'll they'll find a better, you know, fit for them. And, uh, and then we're looking at the top 20 and we're applying that to our demographic from a marketing standpoint, you know, who are we targeting, targeting in the future? We want to target more of those types of people or those types of businesses. So, um, that's what we've really tried to kind of use to steer our path 
you know, for the future. And it's working. It's it's been it's been hugely helpful because it um it definitely helps us um you know pinpoint where we're looking to go, and um you know it gives a lot of clarity to the whole team. Prior to EO and EMT, did you visualize yourself sitting at this desk with the spreadsheets that are being presented to you and the OKRs and the breakdowns of where you're at? So it's funny when I was growing up, I thought I was going to become a home builder, and um. And my mother, a couple things that, you know, key things that I learned over the years, my mother said to me, I was in the third grade, I still remember, she was a public school teacher. And she said, John, you know, I, I asked her, I said, why do you do what you do? And I don't remember why this conversation came up, because she, she never made a lot of money. And she said, it's not for the money. It's I absolutely love what I do. I yeah. love working with kids. I love teaching. And she, she told me, I'll never forget, she said, you're going to be working, call it, she called it working, it's what you know, I don't, I don't always call it that because I, I really do love it. But uh, she said, you're going to be working 70% of your life. Make sure you love what you do. Right. Advice. So that was number one. So I kind of over the years reflecting on it, I, I wonder, is it like really what I love to do? Do I love snow plowing? Do I love landscaping? Well, I do. I, I really enjoy it. I, I'm very passionate of the industry. Um, but I, you know, I found myself going, I wonder if I would have loved home building more. Mm. And what I figured out was, one day, um, probably about, I don't know, somewhere over eight, nine, 10 years ago, I didn't love going to work anymore. And I, I realized it wasn't what I was doing here. It was the people I was with. And when we made the change to the culture to the, you know, really adopted the core values and started hiring towards them. Um, I made sure that everyone that's here, almost everybody is somebody that, you know, I really, really truly enjoy working with. And, um, and we, so we, we live by that because it doesn't matter what you do. If you don't like the people you're with, it's, it's not going to be a good, it's not going to be a good thing. And then the other thing I'll just share really quick is I found out, and this shows up in a lot of my personality testings, like I'll do disc and Colby and all these other things. Yeah. And there's different ways of saying it, but I like to build things. I always have, and it doesn't matter if it's like put together a desk that came from Ikea or if it's building a whole building for our business, which we've done. Um, and my brother said to me one day when I was younger, he goes, he goes, John, you'll you'll always own a business because you love to build things and you can never stop building a business. So, so that's what you that's what you love. That's right. what you love. I love that. So how did you find your way into the snow and landscaping if you thought maybe you were a contractor? Did you have a job that you really liked and it and it all of a sudden turned into the business to build? Yeah, some people. It's a it's too long of a story to share here, but I'll give you the brief. You know, the two the, the, the cliff the notes. Bullets. The bullets. Yeah. Give me the bullets. I like bullets. I'm a high di by the way for <laughs> for the disc so, folks. So give me the bullets. Yeah, a good a good amount of people know my background, but it was out of necessity. Um, my brother and I were on our own at 16. Our mother passed, wow. and um, I started the business, uh, and he had started day trading with the little bit of money we we got one year of our pension. Um, long story short, I paid the utilities of the house. He paid the mortgage. I was 16. He was 19. And, um, and we both had a political science. We, we both promised our mother we'd finish college. We graduated political science, criminal justice degrees. He went on to, um, to be, uh, a higher up over at state street research in Boston. Uh, wow. still, still trading today. Incredibly successful. Married another, um, uh, beautiful woman in finance. And I went on to continue to do this. I just 
decided it was um, something I, I enjoyed. I, I liked kind of having creating my own destiny, uh, so to speak, basically owning the failures and the successes. I really like that. Um, and yeah, so we, we worked out things, things worked out. <laughs> I, I'm sure your mother would be super, super proud. I mean, that is, that's amazing. It's, it's uh, really, it. really, truly amazing. 16 and 19. Yep. What yep. did that look like? I mean, it, it definitely could have been a train wreck, but we, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's we totally pulled it out. We pulled it out. It, it wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, I, I always say it's wasn't a perfect path, but we, uh, but I think we, we learned a whole lot by uh, being kind of kicked out of the nest, so to speak. And, and, uh, you know, we look back at it now and go, it was, uh, it's terrible that our, our mother isn't here, but it, um, but it's, it was a great part of our, I think kind of drive to success. So the journey, right. The journey is not always going to be a golden brick road, right. It's, it is a journey. And I think that's the whole, the whole key to it, right. As a business builder, right. There is no true destination, right. Agreed. It's, it's how we're learning and we're growing. So speaking of learning and growing, um, what would you tell yourself at 16 so that maybe you could avoid a business mistake or a journey mistake that you may have benefited by knowing then? You know, um, I don't, I don't have any regrets because I do think like everything you do along the way is what creates the story. It's what create it creates who you are. Um, the one thing that probably, you know, looking back and it's kind of silly, um, it's less about business is I've had a couple bouts with skin cancer, you know, minor. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I'm very, I've got a very pale complexion and I worked out in the field and I, I didn't take care of that side of, um, myself, you know? So, so that's something that I, I do like, Oh, geez, I should have, I should have been smarter about that. And, um, and then also like just being aware of that, you know, a friend of mine said to me once, um, he goes, you know, you're given, you're giving your, you're given your health and your body and, you know, you take care of your car, you know, people get a car and they'll take care of it like crazy and they have it five years and then they get a new car. You only get one of these. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I asked a, a mentor of mine, he's in his sixties and the guys, I think he's a genius. He's one of my, um, close for, he's a close friend and he's uh, just super smart. Um, I've got a few of those, fortunately. Yeah. But this guy, I asked once I go, I'm like, you're in pretty good shape. Like, what do you do? You know, because he was in his 60s. He looked, he was in, at the time, he was in better shape than me. And he goes, he goes, John, I got to live here. Right. I'm like, what? What are you talking? He's like, well, I got to live here. You know, my mind lives here. And, um, and it's amazing. You see some people that are 40 years old that look like they could be 60. And you see some people that are 40 that look like they're 30. And it's just, how do we, how do we really, none of it matters, right? It's all, you know, my other buddy will say it all goes back into the box. At the end of the day, like the money, the successes, everything, it, it none of it matters at the end, it, but it's how long can you enjoy it now? Like, I don't care what spiritually, if you're religious or not, um, I believe there is a higher power. I believe that someday, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I choose to believe what's, what's um, makes me feel better that, uh, you know, something will happen in the future. But right now, I consider this heaven. Like this, this is an amazing. I'm having an amazing time, and the only thing that's going to stop that is my health. So that's the one thing is I'd say you know we go back and just be aware of 
take care of yourself while you're building your business or whatever else. And wear sunscreen. <laughs> wear sunscreen. <laughs> wear sunscreen, kids. It's so important. I mean, the research is there. It's so easy. And you and I, buddy, I mean, we don't tan. It's a varying shade of red. You know, I can right. see it through the camera here and we have that same complexion. And, you know, how many times did we pick that scab off our nose? But it's also like get to the doctor and get scanned You're right? Checked. because that that early detection is the key to success there. Right. Yeah. And you can, you can keep it, you know, if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, you can, you can still reverse and add more time to the, to your life. Um, if you take care of yourself, I, we started executive physicals here in the company, uh, about two or three years ago, I did mine, uh, had my, my wife go. And then I decided it was so impactful that I sent, um, I sent our leadership team and, um, we're hoping to expand that as, as things allow it. But the leadership team and their spouses all went. We had a couple of people that did, you know, find some things that they may not have known. So take care of yourself. That's really great. It was such a generous uh, contribution to your contributors, right? To be able to do that, that early test. Because I mean, our, let's call it what it is, our United States healthcare system. I don't care what year you're listening to this is probably not the best healthcare system uh, out there. I don't know what one is, um, but those scans, that early detection, I mean, I, I can't say enough about it. I think it's great that you're you're doing that with your team. So, how about your kiddos? What are you telling the twin daughters and son as they grow yeah. up? You know, what are they gonna are they gonna go work for a company, or how are you gonna have those conversations with them? Yeah, I think um, you know, I I always look for for guidance as well. You know, and, and talk to people that I believe have been successful. And the and the one the parents I think that are the that I see is the most successful the ones where the kids you know one contributing to society in one way, shape, or form are happy, you know, hopefully they find a, a meaningful um, life spouse, all that kind of thing. But then here, here's the true, what I think is success when you have an adult child that wants to hang out with you. Mm. And that may sound funny, but that's what I'd like is my kids to, um, you know, want to spend time with my wife and I, uh, as a, as they get older, uh, they're married, have their own kids and everything else. And the one thing that I'm trying to coach them the most on is the ability to communicate. I think no matter what you do, whether you you know go work for someone else, you build your own business, you, you stay home with the kids, whatever it is, I think communication is one of the most important attributes to like success and just in general. So I'm trying to really teach them and expose them to how to how to best, you know, um, communicate, how to uh, know how they're showing up, how to others and how others show up to them and understanding the different perspectives. It's a lofty goal. Um, I think you would be in rare air uh, to have all of your kids like dad, let's go, let's, let's meet in Kansas city for a ball game, or let's go to, you know, let's hang out as adults. Come, come hang out with my kids because it, it, it is so challenging, right. To raise kids. And, you know, there's no real good manual about it. And, you know, what, how much is pushing dad versus friend. There's so many conversations with the growing children and there's so many opinions, you know, as your kids, I'm looking here are seven and two, you're going to hear a lot of opinions and you know what you said, well, you know what they say about opinions, right? Uh, we all have them and we all have something else too. But um, tell me about that, this really cool goal and endeavor that you're creating up in New Hampshire and all of the 4,000 footers. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I, you know, um, I heard, I had a guy, um, Bill Fastori actually he was an EO member. Um, not sure if Bill still is, but he was an EO member for years. Great guy. And 
Bill, I asked Bill once, we were actually in Ireland on a, a chapter retreat and Bill, I learned Bill had exited, sold his business. And I had asked Bill, I said, who are the you know most impactful people in your business over the years? Or what was the most impactful piece of your business over all the years? And he said, Bonnie and Steve. And um, long story short, I hired Bonnie and Steve like six months later uh, through Bill's introduction. And Bonnie was a life coach for Bill, also exposed him to a lot of like the core values and different systems for his business in that sense. And Bonnie came in for me. She was a business coach for years. Bonnie Gorby, amazing lady. She's since retired. Um, but she exposed me to the, the circle, she called it the circle of life. It's an exercise. So you, um, you, you see where your balance is and everything else. Long, you know, anyways, she came back to me and, um, in a professional way. She's like, John, you're pretty messed up. You're, <laughs> I love it. You're, you're like 95% business, like 4%, wow. you know, um, family and 1% life. Uh, you're personal at the time. I didn't have the kids. So I'm like, I got to get this cleaned up and straightened out. So I started doing more things intentionally with my, my, uh, fiance at the time. Um, and then I also want to carve out the personal time because she said it was real important to recharge and, to cut, she said, I was basically she like flipped my par- my thought because I would feel guilty if I left before the people in the business and everything else. Right. She's like, John, you got to understand if you don't recharge, you're not showing up to your team as well as you could. You're you're doing a disservice. You need to. So she was like flipping my thought process, and I started to understand well, one, I need to get healthy. So I when I got out of the field, I gained a ton of weight. So I had to get control of the weight, and then I wanted to do something that I enjoyed to maintain that. So I dropped about 70 pounds of weight. Wow. And, um, had that off for about 13 years. And what I've done is obviously through diet and exercise, but um, I incorporated hiking into my life. And um, and then as any entrepreneur, you know, you kind of obsess about things, get a little <laughs> crazy. And we, I found out that there's these lists, you know, 48, 4,000 foot peaks in New Hampshire. There's a winter 48 list. There's terrifying 25 to 52 of the view there's all these different lists so i just started cranking them out and and now we're you know we're at like 200 plus summits myself and the dog and um and i've had a ton of business coaches over the years that just go high they actually reach out to me because they know it's a passion and, and um we end up going hiking so i have friends and coaches and you know even clients that will come hiking which is awesome a walk and talk yeah right walk and talk uh drive and talk to get there, you know, walk and talk out there. And, and if no one goes, it's me and the dog and some great peace, you know, it is. And it's so serene too. So when you have that other ear, right, whether it's a business partner or business coach, mentor, mentee, you have that focus, right? Everybody's got that dialed in focus. No one's putting the earbuds on because it's the sounds of nature and, right. you know, and it's the conversation, and it's the, how you doing? You sound like you're breathing kind of heavy, you know, should we slow down? Right. Right. I love it. Wow. That's amazing. So you're still passionate about that. I'm going for actually, um, to, uh, so Thursday night, Chris Kaplan, who's another EO guy and works with Eric. I know you, you mentioned you work with Eric a little, um, Chris Kaplan and I are hiking Friday. We're going to go hike. A, I'm actually, it's a huge, big here at Asia's goal, but I'm, I'm, I may, I'm involved in potentially purchasing a mountain in New Hampshire right now. So really uh, hike the mountain and then we're, um, there's a quick hike. And then the next day we're going to do a bigger hike 
um, we'll, have, we'll have dinner. Just be a great time, you know? So, uh, yeah. So, and, and usually Chris and I will have some pretty good conversations about long-term, you know, what's the next five years look like? What's the next 10 for both of us? And you get to, you know, kind of poke some holes in each other's thoughts and ideas and, and um, egg each other on, you know, it's, it's good stuff. How do you buy a mountain? <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. So I'm not going to talk too much yeah. about it. <laughs> that <laughs> is so cool. So of course, as the entrepreneur, my mind is racing. I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I could buy a mountain and I could put container <laughs> housings on them and do self-sustained housing, this could be like a hiker's paradise. Um, so I digress, but uh Wow, this was great, man. I appreciate you you joining. Most important question, if someone wants to reach out, do business with you, connect with you, mentor, mentee, what have you, how do they how do they find you? Well, if you made it to the end of this podcast, it means you have <laughs> some interest. <laughs> and um, oh man, I mean, reach out, you know, like John at jcgrounds.com, or you know, you can you can look us up and call the office. People can always get a hold of me. Um, but I, you know, I was sharing earlier that uh, when you and I were talking offline on this, I've done, you know, magazine articles in my industry. I've done, you know, I've so many different things where you have different podcasts and whatnot. And it's so rare that you get somebody that, that does reach out. I'll get a couple here and there, but I, that's where I, you know, most of my ideas came from is reaching out to different entrepreneurs and whether mm -hmm. they're, they're in the same industry or not. Um, yeah. So never be shy to do that. So I'm, I'm more than happy to talk. So can I reach out to you on LinkedIn, message you and say, let's go for a hike, dude, let's get on the calendar. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've done that. I've, uh, I've certainly, you know, struck up conversation and gone hiking with people I don't even know. So uh, it's good stuff. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to message you and we're going to get up one of those very soon. Cool. John, thank you so much for sharing with us. You know, I learned a tremendous amount. Um, you really got to that 5% and, and got vulnerable with us, which is super appreciated. Thank you for your time, man. Oh, thank you. Love doing this and uh, enjoyed the conversation. Well, listener, thank you. Thank you for joining today. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you learned something like I did, or if you laughed, tell someone about it, tell anybody about it, tell everybody about it, share it with them. And if you're looking to connect with John, look in the show notes, simply open up where you're consuming this and Liam and the folks at Ringmaster will have all of his links in there for you, punch right through. And I guess we'll see you at the summit. Awesome. Thank, thank you again, John. Thank you. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will see you next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.